0: This is Keegan, this is Kenny, and this is the Second Son Podcast, Personal Finance from the Ground Up. All right, welcome back to the Second Son Podcast, Personal Finance from the Ground Up. I'm Keegan.
1: And this is Kenny. Uh, Kenny, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I just took the bar exam a couple weeks ago, so I am uh, a free elf, as Dobby would say. So <laughs> You got your sock from your master? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so
0: today we are, we're talking about uh, debt, and I guess we're titling this one, Is All Debt Bad? And I think we're probably going to poke some bears and stir the pot a little bit. Uh, Kenny, I don't think you and I are ever known for stirring the pot
1: at all. Would that be correct? Yeah, never. We would never do that. Um, <laughs> but you got to stir the pot to uh, garner a following on Twitter. So here we go.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. So I I think today, I think it's fair to say that we are going to take different positions depending on the situation. And it's going to be pretty nuanced when it comes to it is all that bad. So. I, I guess we can answer that question right off the bat is, and Kenny, you feel free to disagree. I think, no, all debt is not bad, but most debt is not good either. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Um, well, so I I just graduated law school. And so I feel like they kind of force you to say the answer to every question is maybe. Um, so I think it, it probably fits here too. Um, maybe it's all bad. Maybe not. It's probably not all bad. Um, some debt's good. Some's bad. Um, it's a mix and you just gotta, you gotta be able to think about it. And hopefully this will just be a kind of a conversation of like the things to be considering when you have, uh, you know, the, the option to take out some debt in front of you, you can be thinking about some of the things we talk about today. Um, and it'll help you make a more informed decision about, you know, what you, what you're going to do.
0: Yeah. And, and I think it's fair to say that having debt is not good. I mean, if you are out there and you have stuff, and you've been able to purchase your things without any debt, don't feel bad that you don't have any debt. I I don't think anyone should want to have debt, but I don't think, I think it can be used as a tool for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the first things we kind of wanted to talk about, and if you're listening to this in the future, um, we have been experiencing a global pandemic thanks to COVID-19. It's putting strain on the economy for sure. And it's, it's, uh, some people have lost their jobs and it's, it's really kind of caused a lot of problems financially for a, a lot of people, uh, as well as medically, but we're going to focus on the financial side of it. So I, I Kenny, I, have you had, do you know anybody who might've lost their, lost their job or is experiencing financial hardship due to, due to the pandemic?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, it also seems kind of like there's just this cloud of uncertainty um, about people's jobs. And so mm-hmm. that's that really kind of takes away some of your ability to make longer term decisions when you don't know, you know, am I gonna have a job in three months? Um, because it's just super uncertain um, what things are gonna open up um, and how much uh, things will open up and what will survive once we're kind of a new status quo. Um, because some, some businesses are driving are Um, and doing well. And others, it's like, you know, wearing a mask and standing six feet apart. It's just not super conducive to how that business operates. So if you worked at one of those businesses, um, you just face a lot of uncertainty. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's affected pretty much everybody. And unfortunately, it's affected some people more than others. Um, So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think one of the biggest things to hit, hit at here is, Taking on debt, there's there's a risk involved, and so um, I think it's fair to say that no one would could have seen a global pandemic shutting down the economy for several months. Um, but there's always some sort of risk. You could lose your job, or something horrible might happen where you're not able to work. Those types of things, and so being in a a sound financial position when something bad does happen, um, it's going to alleviate stress. So having having manageable debt and having a savings account and having a plan for those types of things and not having an outrageous amount of debt, I think is definitely going to alleviate any sort of struggles that someone might have uh, during a economic crisis like we're having currently. Um, and so when we're talking about debt, there's, there's some main areas that we were going to kind of hit on. And so the first is um, housing debt, so a mortgage. I don't think a mortgage is a negative thing. I think it can allow individuals to build, build wealth through equity. Um, This is not to say that renting is, is bad. I just, I would want to rent for as little as for a small amount of time as possible. So renting allows you the freedom to maybe you're moving around or maybe you're not married yet or whatever the case may be, it allows you that flexibility. So then when you, when your life status becomes a little bit more, um, settled, you
1: can get into a house. Um, can you, yeah, do you want- I, yeah I think, um, with, uh, a, a mortgage, some of the things that kind of get lost in the conversation are just like the basic, um, definitions about what they are. Um, and I know there's a lot of people out there that have heard like mortgages and you build equity and things like that. Um, they heard those buzzwords, but they don't maybe know what that means to build equity. Um, Cause I've heard people say, you know, buying, or, you know, having a mortgage just means you're paying rent to the bank instead and, uh, of, of a landlord. And that's not, I don't think that's actually um, the best way to look at it. Um, so a mortgage just means that uh, you got a loan to buy the house um, and uh, the bank, if you don't pay the loan to buy the house, or the loan that you got to, to buy the house, they get to take the, the loan back or they get to take the house back. Um, so uh, this debt is good in a sense in that it makes it so you can buy the house when you didn't have you know, $100,000 to buy the house or whatever it is laying around. It's probably gonna be more than 100,000 in most markets. but Right. Um, uh, and so every time you pay uh, your uh, monthly payment on your mortgage to the bank, Um part of it goes to interest um, and paying the bank for the the loan they gave you. Um, And then part of it is gonna go to principal or equity. Um, And the other part of it that's going to principal or equity represents what you now own in the house. Um, And so over time you're building up like a an ownership right in the house. Um, And so that's that's what you own. It's in your name. Um, And so that's what it means to build equity. And when you compare that with rent, all of your rent check goes to the landlord. Um, So if you pay $1,000 in rent, that $1,000 in rent uh, goes directly to the landlord's pocket. You don't keep any ownership rights in the house or the apartment or whatever it is that you're you're renting. So um, those are kind of the flip sides of the coin. You know, a mortgage is generally going to be 30 years. Um, So you're really kind of locked in. Um, and if you want to get out, you kind of, you have to sell the house. Um, uh, if you rent, on the other hand, you're only going to be renting for probably a year or maybe a little bit longer at a time. And so after a year, you can kind of up and leave and it's not going to cost you that much of anything. You don't have to sell the apartment or house that you're renting. You just up and leave. Right. So those are the flip sides of the coins, uh, the coin, I would say.
0: And I, and I hope we're not selling renting as this negative thing that you should never do. When you're renting, yeah, you're not building equity, but you're, you're buying flexibility. So maybe you know you have a job that you're only gonna be somewhere for a limited time or or whatever. So so, you, you should not feel like you have to jump into a house just to start building equity, because buying a house, just like any other debt, there is a risk associated with it. So you might buy a house for, let's just use your example for $100,000, which might be a little low in most markets, but you buy a house for $100,000, I mean, there's always a chance that in five years when you're ready to sell, that the market could be down. And so you might want to wait a while, which then limits your amount of flexibility. So it's something that you have to consider several scenarios. Um, and, and so renting's not bad. I, I don't like renting because I'm pretty stable in the region in which I'm living. So I don't have a need to want to rent. And so paying rent, to me is just wasting money. But if you need that flexibility and and that you have that uncertainty of the future, then renting might be for you for a little bit. But I think the goal, and Kenny, feel free to disagree. I think the goal should be ownership because in most cases, building that equity um, and increasing in property values is going to allow you to accrue wealth um, at a a pretty substantial rate compared to uh, renting.
1: Yeah, if you, if you know that you, you're going to live in a certain area for a really long time, um, it's probably a good idea to, to buy the house. Um, but if you, you think you might move in five years or, or shorter, um, renting might make more sense. It's really it depends on specifically what you have going on in your life um, when you're making the decision um, on housing. Um, and then a, another thing to consider, too, is generally with a house, if something breaks, um, it's on you to fix it and it comes out of your pocket so there's a lot of um, costs that are kind of hidden right when you're buying a house so like the lawn care keeping up uh, the inside and the outside of the house um, the plumbing all those things the air conditioning um, what happens when the hot water heater breaks um, those are things that you have to pay for out of your pocket generally um, if you're renting those uh, Expenses are paid by the landlord, so um, these are all the kind of things that are floating around in your decision. And you just have them, all these things in your head when you're making the decision, and saying, you know, if I, r- if you really, really hate the idea of having to um, fix stuff when it breaks in your house, like the big stuff in your house, um, buying a house isn't going to be a lot of fun because it's going to be on you to fix it and on you to, to figure out what plumber to, to find and come fix, you know, the pipes if they break. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I think, I think a lot of people underestimate the stress and cost of those types of things. And so people will look at, Oh, well, a mortgage is roughly the same if not less than my, my rent. So why would I not buy a house? But then they buy a house and then six months into owning that house, their AC unit goes out and now they're looking at a three to $4,000 expense. Um and so definitely looking into that kind of stuff, I think is important because I think a lot of, a lot of first time homeowners or home buyers just see that low mortgage payment. Oh, it, I can save money per month, a couple hundred dollars per month by owning a home and I'm building equity, but they don't take any consideration of those extra costs like you mentioned.
1: Yeah. And those are just like cost of, uh, uh cost of living expenses. Um, and they just, they, they can just really inconvenience your life. Um, so renting, you know, maybe if you, if you rent, you're not making uh, as high of a return on your investment, in air quotes, um, because you're not building equity. Um, the, you can't get the appreciation over time and the price of your house because um, you're renting. Um, but there's just a lot of convenience to it, too. So um, it's, it's re- this decision, it's kind of, it, it really depends on what you want to do. So just think about those things, I guess.
0: Anything else we wanted to talk about um, as far as uh, mortgages go, Kenny?
1: Oh, man. I'm sure there's a bunch to talk about, but... I We could always go in depth in another episode. Yeah. Um, there's there's just a lot to, to consider. So hopefully this is just kind of a primer um, on this kind of stuff. Just things to to think about as you're uh, clicking around on Zillow or apartments.com.
0: Yeah. All right. The next type of debt is a car loan. Um, I think there is a happy medium here. I think, um, a reliable, safe, efficient mode of transportation to and from work is absolutely essential. If your car is breaking down every week, your boss is probably not going to be very appreciative of you showing up late or missing work all the time. And so I, I think having a reliable vehicle, a safe vehicle and an efficient vehicle Uh, can be very important to a a professional individual who's working. Now, notice I didn't say pretty or fast or off-roading. I I think a vehicle is essential, and I think we often assume our people will conflate safe, reliable, and efficient with a $35,000 car loan, and that's drastically different. And it all depends on your situation. If you have very no very low debt and you're making a good income, I don't think there's any problem with paying for the majority of a vehicle in cash and then getting a car loan for the remaining the remaining balance. But it all depends on where you are in life. If you're a, a young person starting out, you just got your first job, you're living on your own for the first time, and you see, oh, I'm making thirty five, forty thousand dollars a year, or whatever it might be. And your first thought is, Oh, I'm going to go buy a 25, $30,000 car. That is a mistake. Um, if you're, if you're taking it out all on a loan. Um,
1: yeah. It, it's super easy too when you start getting a, um, a paycheck and you're like, Oh yes, I finally have money. Um, I can go spend it. Um, and you're like, I want to get uh, a really nice car. Um, and you know, cars are super useful if you have to get to, if you have to get to work, um, and you, you kind of have to. It's unless you're in like a you know a New York, D.C., Chicago, um, San Francisco. Um, you really can't um, rely on public transport, so you kind of have to have a car. But um, you, you, the younger you are, and the less money you have saved up, um, you really have to fight the urge to splurge on a car. So um, uh, to get a, a loan for like a uh, $12,000 used Camry um, is different than getting a loan to buy a Hummer, a brand new Hummer or something like that. Uh, the better, the more practical you are, um, the, the less financial strain you're going to put on yourself. Um, a lot of people, I think, are, you know, they're not going to be able to pay cash for a car and that's okay. Um, what Where people and friends I know who have gotten into trouble is when they buy you know, a $40,000 truck and they make maybe $50,000 a year. Um, and they can make the payment. Um, but a lot of their paycheck every month is going to the truck. Um, and it's just, you know, why do you need the truck to commute, um, 30 minutes each way to work? It just those things don't really make a lot of sense outside of, um, just wanting to have a nice car cause you wanted, you know, this certain kind, of, you wanted that Tesla for so long and you, and you got it. Um, or you, you wanted a F one fifty, those things just put strain on you. Um, especially if you have to make a $350 monthly payment or, or more uh, it's just, it's a uh, practicality. If you could focus on practicality, the younger you are, you splurge more when you get older, that's probably the best route to go. Although I would love to have a Tesla. So maybe, maybe I won't follow my own advice pretty soon.
0: <laughs> well, and I think, I think too, one of the, one of the best ways I've seen for for young people to kind of get started with a vehicle is, and maybe you've heard of this strategy before, Kenny. But you maybe, maybe you have three or four thousand dollars in cash, and so you go out and you buy a car for three or four thousand dollars. Again, something that is safe and reliable, but maybe not the prettiest thing in the world. And then you drive it around for a year, year and a half, and kind of start saving up, and and maybe now that car is still worth three thousand dollars or two twenty five hundred dollars or whatever and so and you've got another three to four thousand in the in the bank saved up now you can maybe upgrade to uh, a little bit more expensive car and and i've seen people slowly upgrade their vehicles like that but they're paying cash the whole time and they and they start to work their way up without getting getting into a a huge car note and uh are you a parks and rec fan kenny
1: uh, no, I've watched a couple episodes. Okay, I see well, a lot more it? memes than episodes yeah. I've watched.
0: Well, there's this scene where Andy, Chris Pratt, he buys a motorcycle and the, they're asking about the motorcycle and and he says, oh, uh, yeah, I got one of the best interest rates on it, 25%. It's one of the one of the highest you can get. And uh, I just always think about that when I hear people tell how they, they bought a car and they're paying nine, 10, 11% interest on it. Um, I, th- I think slowly working your way up and upgrading your, your vehicle is probably one of the better ways to go. I mean, I've got like Kenny just, like you said, I've got friends that, that drive a $45,000 truck and they have no money at the end of the month because they're making a five, $600 car payment or truck payment. And then they're paying for gas for a vehicle that gets 19 miles to the gallon just doesn't make a whole lot of financial sense.
1: Yeah. You know, those kind of things, they have to make you really, really happy. To uh, want to put yourself in that kind of financial strain, and it's um, it's
0: easy to get sucked in by those car salesmen. I've been on car mm-hmm. lots where you're like, "Oh, I could I could really afford that," but then you always got to walk away and think, "Oh, you know what? I I I can't afford that, or I don't want to pay that much a month for the next six years."
1: Yeah, and you know, life is just expensive in general. Um, and cars are another part of life where just they come with expenses um, too. So you know, you don't want to you don't want to go so cheap that, you know, you're just going to be throwing money back at the car because, you know, the transmission goes out or, you know, the engine falls apart or there's tires are always falling off or whatever it is. Um, but you don't want to go so nice that you always have to take it to like the BMW dealership uh, to get all your work done. And it's super expensive. So you, I think if you can find a happy medium um, it's, you know, it's going to be okay if you get a car loan. Um, but uh Make sure the loan that you're getting one, if, you, if you're getting one, is on something that makes sense. It can get you to and from work. Um, it will enable you to make more money so that you can, you know, go splurge on the F-150 once you're making more money. Right. Um, and if you just hate debt, you can do what Keegan said and just kind of work your way up. Um, get the best car you can and work your way up. Um, again, another thing where it's just it's kind of up to you and um, your life your life trajectory at this moment.
0: And another, another thing that I've noticed being with people as they've purchased vehicles or just going to car lots is when you step into a car lot, one of the things you're going to hear right off the bat is, well, what, what do you want your monthly payments to look like? What can you afford for a monthly payment? And in my opinion, that is just the wrong way to approach something because that is putting that is covering up what you're actually paying for it. If, if you can afford a car, you need to go into the dealership And when you're negotiating, figure out the price you will pay for the car. So if they have a car and you're willing to pay $12,000 for it, and that's what you want to pay for it, then you need to negotiate. Don't worry about the monthly payments right off the bat. Worry about what you're paying for the car. And then you can look at your monthly payments and interest rates and whatnot. But what they're going to do is they're going to come in and and, oh, well, we can get you in this car for only $300 a month. You can afford $300 a month, can't you, Kenny? But you're going to pay for this car note for seven years at 8% interest. Um, so, so really focus on the, what am I willing to pay for this car? And then worry about payments later. I would really avoid the, oh, well, I can afford the $350 payment. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about with car loans is, Let's say that you are fortunate enough to save up $20,000, $25,000 and you would like to, you are in the financial situation to splurge and, and buy a brand new vehicle. Um, and let's say that this vehicle's $30,000 and you have $20,000 in cash. If you can get a, it's hard to find sometimes, but if you can get a car loan for 0% interest for five years, I, I personally would not pay that $20,000, um, to get only a $10,000 loan for 0%. I would make the monthly payments and, and have a low, um, what's I'm, I'm having a, a brain gap here, uh, down payment. And then you can hang on to that $20,000 and put it in a savings account or whatever. So you have the money to pay it off, but you are still earning money off that, off of that, uh, money you have sitting there because your loan is at 0% interest. So if you can, if you're lucky enough to get in that situation, um, I would 100%
1: take advantage of that. Yeah. The only other thing I have to say is that car dealerships are so stressful to me. I do, not, I do not have fun. I oh, you don't like, like it? Getting no, I feel like they're always trying to sell me on something. And it's like, I just wanted to look. I just wanted to see if it had a sunroof. And now, <laughs> you've like, got all these papers in front of me.
0: That kind of surprises me. I, I like the confrontation. I thought you kind of uh, would too. I, it's no. like a
1: it's like a game. It's like a chess game. Absolutely not. I just want to know the price and get in and get out. I, it's Yeah, my, it, I just don't like it. It's not fun. And I always feel like I'm wasting their time. Because generally, when I'm at a car dealership, I'm just looking to look. I'm yeah. not it's like I don't want to waste your time man I'm not I don't think I'm buying anything today I'm too I'm too much of a cheapskate to just <laughs> sign, have you ever played the away.
0: have you ever played the paper pushing game where they where you go you test drive it and you tell them you like it or whatever and you go and sit down and and they're like well what what will you what what monthly payment can you afford and then you come back with the Oh, I'll pay 12 K for this car, but it's a they They've got it listed at 14 or whatever. And Oh, I'll have to go talk to my manager. If you're here. And they write down a number on the paper and they, if you sign next to this and my manager says, yes, will you buy the car at this or whatever? And they go, oh, I, I can't do that, but I can do, I can do 13. And I don't know. I, it's like a chess game. I like playing with them.
1: Honestly, you describing it stresses me out. I'm sweating <laughs> as you're describing it. So I don't know. I, I think I'm just going to get a Tesla. Next car I get, my car stops working. I'm getting a Tesla because they just post the price on the website. Elon will, Elon Musk will deliver it to me. So personally. so you probably
0: you probably would like here where I live, they've got one of those, it looks like a big, huge car vending machine. And like no joke, there's no negotiation. You just you just you buy the car and you show up and then the vending machine moves around and brings out the car that
1: you've purchased. That sounds so much better than buying a car <laughs> yeah, through the traditional means. Oh my gosh. No, I, I don't, I don't enjoy that negotiation stuff. At least not in person. Oh, well, I do, but
0: I, I get that it's not for everyone. It, it definitely could be stressful. I can see that. So shall we move on to, uh, to student loans, Kenny?
1: Yes. Everyone's favorite topic.
0: Yeah. Um. Let me just preface this with, I have, Um, several degrees, and I have worked several different jobs. I don't know, Kenny, you're probably more in that world than I am, but I think the biggest thing here is Getting your education, getting a good education for the lowest price is probably the most important thing. Would you kind of agree with that, Kenny?
1: Um, we sh- you cut out right when you started uh, talking about student loans. So we need to clip this out and then uh, just start on student loans again. Um, whatever you said, because I couldn't hear it. So I don't think it'll record it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll, re- I'll redo it. All right. So the big thing with student loans is... Um, I have several degrees I'm working on, working on a, another at the moment, but never once has someone cared about where I went to school, except for, oh, that's cool. I went there too, or something along those lines. And Kenny, you may, you might disagree with that, but I don't think the school you went to matters that much. I think what matters is that you got a good education when you got your degree that you can go out and use. And so getting your your education for the lowest price, I think, is definitely beneficial. Would you agree with that, Kenny?
1: Yeah, I would. I would say that um, if you have a really specific like uh, career path, and that requires going to a top-notch kind of brand-name school, um, then uh, it would be worth it to go to you know some Ivy League school if, for whatever career, you really have to go. To an Ivy League school to have a good shot. So maybe that's like something like investment banking, or um, you'd have to go to some some target school because you know your job you want to get, and you know the target schools that the employers have. Um, but in the absence of like a really specific career path, um, it's it's probably it's probably best, like you said, to focus on: um, Are you going to get an education that's going to allow you to get a job that you want? Um, right. Less so. Uh, you know, is it, is it ranked super high in the U.S. news and world report? Um, Because those rankings, um, I I don't, they, they they matter if you have really specific plans, but a lot of the times I I don't think it's, it's going to be worth it um, to pay sticker price at some uh, top notch university.
0: Yeah. And, and so for starters, I think the big, the big thing here is, is to find a, a program that's going to get you where you want for a, a reasonable cost. Schooling is very expensive and you can rack up massive amounts of debt really quickly. And it kind of goes back to the car thing. What's your monthly payment? Well, I want to know what I'm paying for the, for the product right off the bat. And so kind of getting that organized and, and keeping that debt as low as, as low as possible. Uh, the next biggest thing when it comes to student loans, I guess we should have started with they're not they're not bad, but they're not good. Um, they need to be used as a tool, kind of like kind of like the car loan. Um, they they need to get you to where you want to be, and you have to know what you're going what you're going to be making on the other side. Um, so, if you're going to be making thirty thousand dollars a year on the other side of your four year program. Racking up one hundred twenty thousand dollars in debt is probably not a great move. Um, what in what field you choose is also important. Is there going? Are there going to be openings? Is there an increase in demand um, for your position? And I'd also like to preface too, Kenny, while we're talking about this, we're not just talking about normal schools. We're also talking about trades as well. Um, I, I think. I think there's nothing wrong with going to a trade school and learning a trade and you can still come out and make a lot of money, but once again, um, paying as little as possible for that education to come out on the other side and start, start making a really good salary. So choosing the right career field is, is definitely important when it comes to school loans.
1: Yeah, I think um, there, I remember being told, like, follow, follow your passion and, like, what you are really interested in and you'll find the job afterwards um that advice i don't think that's um as true as people repeating it um make it sound uh because you need to do something you enjoy but you need to balance that with are there realistic employment opportunities uh available so um uh, just there's a i have a lot of friends who have degrees who in really kind of specific areas, and trying to find a job in that that specific area is really, really difficult. Um, it's either difficult to find a job or difficult to find a job that pays well. Um, and it's just because uh, either the market for jobs is pretty small or it's really tough, um, or there's just so many people trying to do it because it's really popular um, that it's hard to get a job. So you gotta weigh those things. Um, On one hand, uh, on one hand, you need a way. Will I enjoy doing this? And on the other hand, you have to be weighing: Can I find a job doing this? Um, Is it going to pay back my loans? Um, I think having a plan for paying back your loans is really important.
0: Um, And I I kind of interrupted you, Kenny. So sorry about that. But um, in in my in my career field, I there is an automatic pay bump for having a certain degree. So I can look ahead of time and see, okay, well, if I have a master's or if I have a doctorate, here is, here is what I will be making. And you can kind of look and see, all right, well, here's, here's my pay raise. And so that can help you determine what, what you can afford to pay for your degree. So in my example or for my situation, um, the amount that my pay increases from where I am currently at, my current salary, is to where my salary will be at the completion of my current degree. I can pay off my degree in a year and a half, just based upon that increase in salary. So for me, that that's a good return on my investment. I don't mind taking a loan out for that because there's a a clear um, way that I can pay that back, and it's it's predetermined. As far as what my salary is now, we have a mutual friend that um, just has his bachelor's and has a very good paying job, and is considering getting his um, master's. But there's no—he's—he's uh, he's kind of just wanting to get it, just to get it, which is fine. But he, he has—he does not need a master's for his current degree or his current job, and doesn't need it for. Um, any promotions and so it would just be for himself and I think that's something you have to consider as well. Why are you getting the degree? Will you be able to pay it back? Those types of things. Can you you get anything to add to student loans?
1: Um, You know it's just it's something a lot of people are faced with as they're trying to go um, to school so um, just go into it knowing kind of how much you're going to pay and knowing uh, what the opportunities are going to be when you uh, when you when you leave school, um, it's kind of easy to get sucked into the sales pitch from the universities that oh, it's not going to be an issue. You're going to be fine either way. Um, but I don't know if that's actually true. And I think um, if you're in your like 20s or 30s, uh, you have a lot of uh, friends who. Um, have had real difficulties in paying off their student loans, and it's um, limited, to, limited to, uh some of their options in terms of, you know, where does their paycheck go every month? And um, if they could do it again, uh, they would do it differently. Not completely differently, but they would have made different decisions on maybe where they go to school or what degree they got, um, right. knowing how much it was going to cost and what their monthly payment was going to be uh, every month when they get out of school. Um, to
0: kind of put in perspective how student loans are kind of becoming a problem, and I think we're both kind of on the same page here that used in the right way, student loans are not bad. They can be a tool to help get you to a destination, to a career that you'd like to be in, but they can definitely be abused, kind of like the car loan, where it gets people in trouble really, really quickly. So, for example, according to debt.org, in 2004, the student loan debt for the united states was 206 billion dollars and then in, it was it increased to 1.4 trillion in 2017 and the average debt um jumped from 18,000 to 38,000 over that same period of time so um debt is becoming or student loan debt's becoming a large part of life in the united states And I think a lot of that has to do with, I mean, Kenny, I feel like in our generation, we've been told, Oh, you have to go to college. You have to get a degree. If you don't get a degree, you won't be financially successful. And I think getting a degree in some cases is good, but just going and getting a degree and getting on all this debt is not by itself a good thing. There has to be a plan involved with it.
1: Yeah, there's definitely, um, that's, that's the common advice. I think a lot of people have gotten and, um, there's probably, there's probably more thought that needs to go into it than just listening to that kind of, um, boilerplate advice.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and there's a the thing too, that your first two years of school, your first year and a half of school is really kind of gonna is going to kind of be the same pretty much no matter where you go, whether that's, uh, a local community college or a state school or whatever. I mean, you're going to be doing gen ed courses anyway. And so uh, I think I think doing that might be um, beneficial to just looking at those other options. Have we had enough of school loans yet?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people have, but I think we okay. have too. <laughs> All
0: right. All right. Two, la- two last things we want to cover really quick before we move on. We have our first question from a listener. Thank you for sending that in. But the first one is credit cards. We've talked about credit cards a little bit before. Um, just kind of want to hit at those and then also payday loans. So Credit cards, um, again, stirring the pot a little bit. Uh, We both have credit cards. We are the kind of people that we will pay our credit cards off every month. So I have never paid interest on a credit card. And then I also get to benefit from those rewards. Um, You have to be very careful with a credit card, you have to be very disciplined because if you're not the person getting the rewards, the cash back, the the sign up rewards. If you're not the person receiving that and not paying interest, you are the person who is paying for other people to get rewards from using that credit card. Is that, is that fair, Kenny?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's why they, that's why they exist. Um, they really they exist as an incentive to get you to buy more stuff and probably carry uh, a balance in your credit card, pay interest every month. And then, you know, the interest costs much more than the rewards you were getting. So, um, that's kind of the, the overall strategy. So you're either, you're on one, uh, one side or the other with the credit cards, you're either paying the interest or you're getting the, getting the rewards, um, Yeah. you know, and, and credit cards, like, uh, some, sometimes before you're able to save up, you know, an emergency fund, um, that might be the way that you, you know, if your bank account gets to zero, that might be how you end up paying, um, for your groceries that month. Um, and, you know, if that's the situation you're stuck in, that's what you got to do um, to pay your bills. But um, credit cards shouldn't be the goal and how you finance, you know, your, your day-to-day expenses. Um, if you have to use them, you have to use them. You know, um, it just shouldn't be the, the goal. The goal should be to, if you're using a your credit card, to pay it off every month. If yeah. you can't do it, that's the goal you're working towards because um, nobody likes paying extra. And that's what interest is, paying extra. Um
0: well, the
1: but, nice thing about, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, like, there's, I, I think there's kind of a tendency for the people in the financial, you know, talk space to really say credit cards are bad and they're, you know, they're just stay away and never pay interest. You know, sometimes, like, y- you just, you might not have the cash and you have to, you have to buy your groceries. Um, and that's okay. And you shouldn't feel like a, like a failure because you paid interest or you paid a late fee one time. Um, just there's, there's the goal out there to avoid doing all those things and that's what you should work towards. But, uh, it's, it's not like the, the end of the world if you have to pay interest or you have a late fee or something like that.
0: Yeah. I was just going to add to that, that credit cards can be a nice tool to help kind of float some, some bills. So maybe you get paid, but it's not in your account yet, but you need to go out and buy groceries and it kind of adds that flexibility while also getting some rewards. So it can be, like a, like we've said earlier, it can be a tool, but it definitely can be a trap as well. I mean, if you start getting thousands of dollars in credit card credit card debt and you're paying anywhere from 15 to 25% interest, that is a, a trap you are going to get sucked into really quickly. So you wouldn't stick your hand on the blade of a chainsaw, but a chainsaw can be useful. So I think yeah. credit cards are kind of the same thing except financially losing it yeah. and not actually losing it
1: if um your car breaks down and you have to put it on your credit card um that's different than buying a new tv with a credit card um and you know paying interest so it's just those are the things to kind of think about um with credit cards they're good there's some good there's some bad um it's like fire be careful with it
0: yeah and then we'll make this last one pretty easy uh don't ever use a payday loan anything else Kenny?
1: Yeah, payday loans are like really like your last option. They have like the worst interest rates. It um, just, uh, you can really, really they're, 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 they're the, yeah, they're the least optimal of uh, all your options. If you have to use a payday loan um, because, you know, you don't have a credit card or whatever. Um, just be very careful and go go in knowing all the terms that are in it. Um, because a payday loan, I mean, the, the terms, if you aren't on top of it completely, they can get out of hand super quickly. So you have to go in, go into it, knowing full well that, uh, it's going to be slanted against you. So if you get one paid off as quick as possible, they'll look back.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take a little bit different opinion than that. I'm going to say when you're going into a payday loan, it's like going into the lion's den or swimming with sharks. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. It's brought, but crazy idea. Kenny, you're allowed to have a different opinion than somebody else. Yeah. So, um, and with that, we'll wrap up with our question. Um, our question comes from Louise. She says, uh, Kenny and Keegan, I am feeling very overwhelmed with my student loan debt. I've been paying it, but I feel like I am just spinning a wheel and not making any progress. Will I be able to get out from underneath them? And how can I feel like I am making progress? I'm a teacher and I make around $35,000 a year and my stone, my stones, my loans are around 28 K. Thanks for your input, Luis. Uh, Kenny, what what advice do you have for Luis?
1: Well, you know, in general, I would just, I would start out by saying that this is a super common experience. So you shouldn't feel like um, you're alone in this or like this is somehow, you know, Um, a a uniquely bad experience that you're having and nobody else is. This is super, super common. Um, As far as feeling like you're making more progress, uh, the nature of paying back a loan is that um, the loan amount at the beginning goes down uh, much more slowly than at the end in the way that the interest is computed. So your first year when you're making your payments, most of it's gonna go to interest. um, And then a little bit's gonna go to principal. And then the second year more is going to go to principal so the longer you're paying um, on whatever payment program you have uh that you're going to be making more progress um another way you can speed this up if like you just hate seeing the number when you open up your uh you know loan repayment app or whatever and you just hate seeing how big the number is another thing you can do is make extra payments so maybe you have some kind of side hustle whenever you get money from that you just Throw it at the loan and make it go down faster. Um, all in all, this is a super common experience, and it just sucks. Um, and so, if it if you just hate hate the idea of it, you can pay them off faster. Um, and if you hate having to see it, uh, which I know that that I do, um, you can try to get it off your plate as quickly as possible. They'll take your money early, you know. So um, that that that's kind of that's one. Uh, take on this kind of situation. I know there's a lot of, um, you probably have something uh, different to say.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I think Kenny brings up a lot of really good points. I think this is common. Um, I, mean, I mean, I have some student loan debts as well. And, and I I remember being in a position, if you've listened to earlier podcasts, where I was in a very similar situation as well. So definitely don't feel as if you are the only one experiencing this. Um, but it is definitely possible to start making traction, and, and Kenny brings up some good points about early on and stuff in a side hustle. Um, the only other advice that I would add is any extra money you might have. Uh, I mean, obviously have a have a savings account and emergency fund, those types of things. But I would I would just start finding even if it's let's say your payments a hundred dollars a month. If you can add another 10, 15, 20 dollars a month, I think every little bit helps. And then the other thing that I would add is uh, my loans are broken down. And so as you go through school, you get a different loan for each semester or whatever it might be. And so you might have five or six different loans that add up to $28,000. One of the things that helped me feel really motivated was um, paying off one of those smaller loans. So let's say that you make the payment for all of your loans, but you have an extra $50, $75 that month that you can put towards your loans. If you start putting that extra money towards one of your loans with a smaller amount and then you can get that smaller loan paid off, you're going to start to feel like you've made some traction. So excellent. I've, I've paid one off and now I can, now I can start working on another loan. And so for my example, I had, I had a loan that was like five or $600 left on the amount of the, of the loan. And so one month I ran into some extra cash and I was able to pay it off. And so boom, I'm down from, from four loans to three loans. Excellent. I'm making, I'm making progress. So, just that that little bit of, um, I don't know what the word is, Kenny, that I'm looking for. That little bit of, you, you knock that first one down so you get some momentum going, I think is one of the biggest things. And just kind of having a plan and trying to stay positive about it. Your situation, you're 100% able um, to do that. And you point out that you're a teacher. So, picking up a side hustle. Whatever that might be, especially maybe in the summertime, and bringing in a couple extra hundred bucks a month and making a bigger dent, I think is going to help you feel a little less
1: overwhelmed. Um, the other, the other thing I'll, I'll just, and, and uh, with this is that you know, student loans are a financial topic, um, but in the way that they affect most people, um, it seems is that it just it adds this like emotional toll. In terms of it's just this cloud always hanging over your head. Um, in terms of like I have to keep, I, you know, three hundred dollars is going to this X Y Z company every every month, um, and just that cloud, it's just a, it's a, it's kind of a burden to to carry around with you um, emotionally and financially. Um, so just making a plan of attack is can be helpful. Just to know how you're going to get this off your plate and move on and never look back at it, um, and uh, and if you, and like Keegan said, paying, if you have smaller ones that there's you can pay off quicker, um, being able to hit submit on the last payment for that loan to, and see it disappear off your dashboard, um, I think you'll feel better um, at the end of that, just to to see it be gone, because that's what we want with our student loans. We want them to all just disappear and be gone. So um, the faster you can get to that, I think the faster you'll feel better about all of it.
0: Well, very good. Kenny, do you have anything else you want to add about uh, debt in general? Uh, Nope. I think we hit it all. All right. Um, Well, thank you all for listening. Remember, if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, you can send your emails um, to secondsonpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening.